And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop! Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering something Star Wars in this episode. A Sith and maybe a Sith? Battle it out. We rock out on Tatooine and two siblings battle it out on a Star Destroyer. We're talking about Star Wars Visions, The Duel, Tatooine Rhapsody, and the twins this week. How you doing, Chris? So far, so good. I am so excited to do Visions. When when they had the, like, the Investor's Day. I can Day, tell by your notes. Holy cow. So, uh, well, it also helps that like one of my favorites is this week. Actually, like... I have three favorite episodes, and they're each over the course of the next three episodes. Like, there's oh, one in cool. each, and I'm like, yay! That works so, out well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but, like, I mean, I, I when when they announced, like, all the upcoming projects, like, Visions was, like, the number one thing I was waiting for, and it didn't disappoint, and I love it, and I'm so excited to do this. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, but did you have a good week? I did. I have a funny story. It's, oh, tell it's it. vaguely J-Guys and Jedi related. Ooh. It's Patrick Delmore related. Ooh, oh. I can't do the voice cracking. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> okay, so we had a, uh, we recorded this audio drama months and months and months ago, and it's a fairy tale type thing. It had a, a young prince in it. And the guy who recorded the prince dialogue disappeared for months and then came back but never turned in his prince um dialogue and the the show is coming up you know the due date on it and i had to edit i have to edit it to before it can come out you know so i have to edit it when i have time to edit it so i i i was like and and there was also like talk of a of, of somebody else recording it but i hadn't heard from that so i was like i'm i know what i'll do i'll <laughs> I'll be obnoxious, and I was, I was hoping it would trigger, it would trigger, uh, um, the original, the original prince, since that's who we we cast and recorded it with. But I also I thought, it, and I was just like, okay, I'll do this because I know nobody would ever let this come out sounding like this. So what happened is I I put together the whole show, but I needed the prince's dialogue, so I just recorded it. But I recorded it as Patrick Delmore as the prince. <laughs> so, so it was it was just awful. And I, you know, and I and I was just like reading off the lines and in the voice. I didn't like, you know, if I was really doing it for recording, I'd probably do two or three different takes and practice and stuff. But and so I sent out I'm like, well, here's the, the new show, but we got be doing the vocals in it till we get there and like within minutes <laughs> oh i got vocals for you <laughs> gene <laughs> no, but, it was, but it's not like gene was holding out on me or anything but it's just it's and like and of course i'm just hoping to myself please let me get somebody else's i was 
like when I send it off, I send it off to to Thomas DJ and to Gene because Thomas is the the like you know the the guy the guy who runs it and whatever. And I and after I send it out, I was like, oh god, what if they're like, hey, I kind of like it. Like <laughs> I would have been mortified. <laughs> it's, it's, it's awful. It's awful. Maybe someday I'll send you a. Uh, I'll send you a copy of it because I did have to make a copy of it to send off to them. You but should. It's, cr- uh, it's cringe-a-rama. You should. Oh, okay. um, what you should do is you should uh, put it up like after the credits or something like that. It was like outtakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe it might be like in a box set as a uh, as uh, bonus material or something. <laughs> um. I, I've had a week. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I, I've had a week. I um, my my grandfather passed away last week. Um, so over the weekend, like we, it, it was a very lovely service, and it was nice because um, I got to see my my sister and my nephew and my brother in law came into town. So it was nice seeing them and like all the family getting together for, wish it was for better reasons. But you know what? Like it's 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 a good thing because. My grandfather was 90 and he'd been sick yep. for a very long time. Um, and I I had this moment where I like I saw him in the casket for the first time and I was like, wow, he actually looks like himself again. Like I watched that man nap my entire life and he just looked like he was napping and the service was lovely and it was it was a tough week, but it was also it was also kind of a relief because when somebody has lived a very, very long life to the point where they're not living anymore, it was just, I was just happy he wasn't in pain. So now I'm just did a little under the weather and my Braves yeah. are still in the World Series. So by the time this episode comes out, you'll know if I'm totally elated or horribly <laughs> devastated. <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll know how, how Ho- Hope's Week's still going by the end of the... Behind me on YouTube, uh, my my Atlanta Braves are leading the three to two in the series, and we'll see how it goes. If you, so, again, it's another uh, Hope screams that baseball episode. So if I start screaming, you'll know why. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just kind of kind of tired today. So it was fun to do visions because one of these shorts just brings me pure fucking joy. And I I found the soundtrack on Spotify. They released the soundtrack, and I was just grooving out to to it today. So I'm I'm really excited about getting into Visions because I really <coughs> love the series. Wait, and wait, I'm glad uh, we're the, doing it. the soundtrack is out to this. All uh, they all the soundtracks are out um to all of these. Because mm-hmm. I was looking for them on YouTube. That oh, like. I- and uh, I figured if they got released, a couple songs would turn up on YouTube, maybe like one or two official, like, to show off, really, you know, to promote releases and stuff. And I hadn't seen anything. Yeah, I, um, I will. Here you go. I'm going to put it into the Skype chat right now, the link to all of them. Um There you go. Star Wars Visions Digital Soundtracks. And it has all the shorts in it. And yep. So I was definitely rocking out to tattooing at Rhapsody today. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to do uh, missions because, as I said, like when this was announced, like this was like the number one thing I was waiting on, um, and it did not disappoint. And I have a favorite episode in each of our 
little mini series that we're about to cover. So I'm very excited. Though I think my favorites in this one, but we'll have to see. But I'm I'm pretty sure like my favorites in this one. Right. Like I was almost gonna say, don't say that. So we when at the end when we say our favorite, but then again, we're all we're both going on our second viewing. So who knows? Oh our, well, that's our, the thing. Minds is, might change. This might be your fourth viewing or something like that. <laughs> like, like I've probably, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it now, like, I've watched Tatooine Rhapsody and The Elder more than all the other ones. And I've watched Tatooine Rhapsody the most because it just brings me pure joy. <laughs> and I love the, the story of The Elder, which we'll do in, I think, two episodes because, yeah, it's, it's in the third batch. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so if you guys don't know, as we're getting into this, um, we are doing, because it's a nine-episode miniseries, so we're doing three episodes at a time. Um, so the episodes four, five, and six will be next week, and then seven, eight, nine will be the week after. So that's how we're uh, breaking down our Visions miniseries. So. Um, and I decided instead of doing like all the background information at the beginning, I'm going to start this first episode with background information for the series. And then with each one, I'll give some background on the separate episodes. And then we'll talk about it, talk about it kind of like how we do our three acts. So I thought that'd be a good way to kind of break this down. Does that sound good to you? Works for me. Well, you ready to get into it? I am. All right. <clears throat> Star Wars Visions is an anthology series that debuted on Disney+. Plus. It aired on September 22nd, 2021. The executive producers are Jackie Lopez, James I for meant to look up rap ra, ra, ra wa? Wa. How would you say that, wa? I'm trying to uh yeah, wa wa wa. Wa. Okay. James Wa, Josh Rhymes, and Justin Leach, along with Japanese producer Kanako Shirazaki. Some extra series information for you. Star Wars Visions is a collection of animated short films presented through the lens of the world's best anime creators that offers a new diverse perspective on Star Wars. Created outside of the constraints of the franchise traditional canon, the films provide creative freedoms to each director and production studio while maintaining the themes and emotional identity of the Star Wars saga. Development of Star Wars Visions project began when James Waugh, Vice President of Franchise Content at Lucasfilm, pitched the idea to Kathleen Kennedy at the beginning of 2020. Lucasfilm collaborated with independent producer Josh uh, Justin Leach and his company Cubic Pictures, which helped facilitate the discussions between the U.S.-based executives and the Japanese studios. This became particularly important during the COVID-19 pandemic, which we're still in. <laughs> we will never escape. I love um, when people I love when people refer to it in the past tense. It's I so know. awesome. I know. Thanks, Wikipedia, because that's copy and paste it from there. When uh, this became important during COVID, when planned in-person collaborative meetings had to be canceled. Production of the shorts took place in Japan throughout 2020 and 2021. Star Wars Vision stories were not required to adhere to established Star Wars timeline. Though, while not having to adhere to canon, many of the stories did pull from particular storylines. For the, uh, the two examples they used for today's episodes, the story of the duel was specifically billed as an alternate history pulled from Japanese lore. And finally, the twins, uh, the twins were about the remnants of the Imperial Army Armony, Armony, was the remnants of the Imperial Army after the events of the Rise of Skywalker, which I actually thought that was interesting because that to me felt like it fit in more between like episode like four and five or five and six. 
And so when I read that, I was like, wow, that kind of reshapes it if it's like post, if it's supposed to be like, quote unquote, post trust, even though it's not in canon. Like, well, I think that's really interesting. Like, that's not how I viewed that one. And in, in this, like, uh, and, and we'll go over it more as we get further through this. Some of these seemed like, okay, you know, uh, Star Wars timeline or what, or canon or whatever. But uh, the first, in this one, the first two, you know, pretty much, you know, could feasibly take place in this, the, the established Star Wars universe. Whereas, I would argue all of them could somehow fit in somewhere. Yeah, um, the twins like, we... feels almost like a, and and some of the other ones as we go go forward are like I I almost can split these into two, like, you know, like uh, uh like tattooing Rhapsody is it's different because it's stylized and it's told in a a different story, but like the story and the characters are all firmly grounded in it. The dual, yeah, in in canon and and whatever, they could totally have taken taken place. The dual, you know, it's could be set on some, you know, outer could rim. Could have been like the old republic, like a thousand, yeah. ten thousand years sure. ago. Sure, sure. And and the twins, I mean, you could you could okay, say it's post tross so you could go also. And there was cloning stuff going on in it and stuff. But it, the a lot of these feel like basically like alternate universe, you know, like multiverse versions of it where See, like oh, we'll get more into it when we get to the twins. But like they, they feel like this is how this is like reflections of things that happened in the Star Wars universe in this alternate, you know, there it's it's mm-hmm. it's a little more like through a lens you know, since they had total freedom to do that, like there's varying degrees of it depending on how each group. That's why I love these so much. There's there's so many different approaches to it possible, and I, they okay. go all over the place. Yeah, like I um, for for me, like I I actually have a tinfoil hat theory about how the twins in my brain fits into the canon. Um, but the, a lot of the fun is how none of these are canon. And yeah, I think that's definitely the fun of it. But I, I do feel like there's an argument for every single one of them. Like when we get to the elder, um, I'm putting oh, you Dan. Know me. I, I may, I could, I could hatch them, patch them all together. If we, you know, yeah. and them all in there. Like, if we had like to, I was just talking about this with Arzu. Actually, I, I was on space waffles. Uh, the episode came out today. We were talking about masters and Padawans of the high Republic and I was talking about how Dan and Tajin from The Elder feel like High Republic characters. Like, they could just show up on Starlight and fit in because they're such traditional masters and Padawans. And I'll definitely, like, gush about The Elder like, later because it's another one of my favorites. But, like, I think there's definitely, a, a, like, um, an argument for any of these could be canon. But I, I also love the fact that they're not. So they could just go fucking wild. And yeah. something I didn't put, I didn't put in my notes in this one because I wanted to talk about it like once we got a little bit further into the series. I think there's an interesting conversation to ha- be had about like, what are the important themes that are constantly repeated through these? Because none of these studios work together. They didn't collaborate together. They were just, they were just told to do their own thing. No, and yeah. And, and you, you get a very good like, glimpse about you, like what people think is important like so there's like a heavy well, emphasis on lightsabers 
how many of these say Kyber crystals, Kyber the colors crystals. of the, the colors of lightsaber, you know, colors also, be good and bad. Jedi in hiding become like a regular theme. There's also like um <gasps> oh, oh, oh Jesus. Oh no. Oh no. Oh boy. Oh no. Yes. This is oh, why I stay away from sports. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay, he's back on the mountain. I'm okay. I had a moment. Huh, what was I saying? Oh, uh, uh, Jedi in hiding is one. <laughs> um, and also another one, like, you know, like the constant repeating of, like, I have a bad feeling about this shows up, like, in what, like, six out of nine of them or something? Yeah, like that? that's that's Star Wars in general, though. They do, they, that is, uh, that is something adhered to, like, I think in every single movie. Every single movie, it, I think. I think is Solo the only one that doesn't have it. I I don't know if Solo. I thought Solo did have a. I have a bad feeling about this. Since I, I think it was. I wasn't it Chewy that said it, and he says something like, "I have a bad feeling about this" or something. But I think it was said, and so I think it's been said. If if, if it wasn't said in Solo, that's the only movie it, it probably has not been in that. It's because, been in- uh, I know, like, Rogue One has the twist of it where uh, K2 starts saying it and Jen and, and Castanier are like, Shh. Yeah. <laughs> they but- have their own form of it. So, like, I think that's going to be an interesting conversation, like, either, like, next week or the third week of, like, that yeah. might actually be a good third week conversation it's, of, I, like, I, what are the themes that carry through all nine of these? Well, I think they're the, the stuff of, the, they're the, the I, I think a lot of it has to do with, well, Star Wars A originated from a lot of of Asian culture. We're going to so be the, talking about that very shortly. Yeah, I have that in the, my notes. And the stuff that the and and the the stuff that was taken from there resonates. You know, the mm-hmm. the samurai aspects of it. You know, Jedi are very samurai, so that comes with a lot of baggage. That's very much like Jedi baggage, swords and how you. Yeah. How you, you know, a special sword that you, and you know, there's the added thing that like, if your sword is blue or red, you can tell if you're good or bad. And I I think I read somewhere that like George Lucas originally wanted it to be swords and he was like, we need to make it spacey, make them lasers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, George, great idea. (laughs) But you also know who also has great ideas? Oh, and laser sword, yeah! You have a laser sword, how are you Laser sword. Taser sword. Man, Charles was so excited about meeting you at the end of last week's episode. Yes, keeps texting Yoda, he does. Yeah, yeah, he... Pictures he sends Yoda. No, Charles, don't stop. Many, many pictures. Yoda don't play has. Don't chicken with Yoda. I know it's fun Yoda to think is you storing the pictures on his hard drive. Yes. No, 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 no. And let's 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 distract mm. you. Hey, Yoda, I have a Can't question. Can't squirt Yoda's hard drive. No, ha ha. As hidden it is. I'm gonna call Mace Windu on your hard drive. Hmm. Hmm. Hidden on Yoda's laptop. Hmm. <laughs> well, Yoda was laptop last week. Mm. Well, I got a question for you, Yoda. A question for Yoda, yes. Yeah. So, hey, Yoda. 
since we're diving into anime, one of the I wanted to ask about one of the tropes, and I got to thinking, have you ever driven a giant robot before? Mm. Well, I guess it, a giant droid is the better way it, of putting it. A little show you may have heard of, maybe? Um, Space Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Mm. <gasps> Yoda did, did you have all a the ro- sword? Not all, all the actors could not drive. They uh, the, the they needed tiny, tiny, tiny Yoda to fit in there so the actors could act and Yoda would drive behind the scenes. <gasps> that Was that like your first job before Star Wars? No, many jobs Yoda has had and oh. been fired from. What was your first job? Hmm? Did, you, did you flip burgers with Anakin? <laughs> Sp- <laughs> Sp- Space McDonald's, yes. Then Space... Oh. Burger King, yes. Oh, I did not know that. You know, sometimes you gotta make ends meet when you're a Jedi Padawan. Yeah, well, what was before when Yoda was only, you know, 300 years old? Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's, I will ne- next time I watch Power Rangers, I'll just be like, Space hey, Power, somebody. Space Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> I was about to say uh, Jedi Force, but I was like, Force! <laughs> Force edition. Well, thank you, Yoda. We'll see you next time, okay? Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. You want to have a talk with your friend, you know, off, off the... Uh, off the <laughs> Charles! Stop sending Yoda photos. I know you you think it's fun to play chicken with him, but you'll lose. People think it's a fun, funny joke and and like, oh, we'll, we'll flirt with Yoda. But Jesus Christ, you know, someday he's going to. And he said he had a boyfriend, right? He's going to like, they're going to wake up one morning and Yoda's going to be like out in their front yard with a boom box, holding a boom box <laughs> up in the air, playing music at him and stuff. And his boyfriend's going to go, what the hell is this? And he's going to go, that's Yoda. Sorry, yeah, you need you need to start stop now, Charles, or yeah. you're gonna be in a bad place. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. Oh right, well, are you ready? Nobody to wants to get restraining orders. No, no, no. Well, are you ready to get into the first episode? I am ready. All right, <clears throat> more background information, and this this one's a little bit longer because uh, we're gonna talk about a book too that goes with this one. So, <clears throat> the duel was produced by Studio Kamikaze Doga, whose other works include JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Shorts and Batman Ninja. The writer was Takashi Okazaki, and the director was Takanobu Mizono. This short was heavily inspired by the works of Kira, Akira Kurosawa, who was also an inspiration for Star Wars as a franchise. The English, and I should note, we're gonna be talking about English casts, uh, so yeah, just, the, the Japanese cast is also fantastic, but we're going to be talking about the English cast. Uh, the English cash is, cast is Brian T. as Ronan, Lucy Liu as the bandit leader, aka the hot Sith lady who I love, Jaden Waldman as the child village chief, and Joe Ochman as the tea house shopkeeper. Now, huh. the, now I haven't I haven't watched any of the, the English version. I didn't even know that existed. Really? That's so interesting! Because I've, I've only watched the English dub except for the twins because I wanted to see if something was... Oh no, I'll talk about it when we get to the twins. So yeah, yeah, um, they actually 
made a big push to do make sure that like um a majority a lot of most of the voice actors were uh uh japanese or uh or east asian so so uh now to talk a little bit about the cool side stuff the duel has a tie-in novel called ronin by emma mika kanden Emma is a fourth-generation Japanese-American who grew up in Hawaii, a state that Kandon describes as saturated, saturated with Japanese culture, but also the trauma of war and internment. The premise of the book is, two decades after rebellious Jedi rose up and formed the Sith Order and the ultimate downfall of the Order uh, from infighting, a former Sith warrior in a self-imposed exile wanders the galaxy while collecting red kyber crystals from Sith he has killed. After a confrontation with a bandit, Ronan is forced to confront his old life and the endless cycle of violence he left behind. Now, I do want to say I haven't had the chance to read uh, Ronan, but I've heard it described as more of a mystical and magical journey that's written as a myth instead of a science fiction story. And I do want to point out something cool, because there's a Twitter user named Star Wars Queers Watch who shared, shared a rather glowing review that there are a ton of queer characters in Ronan, and they said... It has a bi-pan main character being Ronan, two women love women characters in the main cast, most important role for a non-binary character in Star Wars to date, a queer romance, omitting the details for spoilers, and a franchise first, where there are two minor characters that are transgender men on hormone replacement therapy. And all this is awesome, and author Emma tweeted out, The Ronan, or as my wife likes to call it, the big bad pansexual sad. <laughs> There's a there's a there's a book called The Ronin too that's like sort of a famous like fable sort of philosophical it's a it's a story but it's a very you know fable like story. I wonder if they took any elements from that for this. I mean it, it's about it's about it's it's about a you know rogue samurai. So so um, I'm not going to be doing recaps. For, uh, here's a recap. I didn't even think about doing this. Uh, so there's a Ronin and a trap droid, and they come to a town, and they're having tea, and the hot Sith lady shows up with her bad guys, and they're all pew-pew, and the villagers are all like, oh, no. And then they have, I assume, that are mercenaries or guards, and they're all like pew-pew, and the Sith lady is just like, ha I'm hot, and here's my umbrella lightsaber, pew-pew-pew. And Ronin's like, I'll fight you. And the trap droid's like, me too. And then and they fight and they kill the Sith lady and all the bad guys and the Ronin's like, ha ha, I'm a Sith! And everyone's like, drama! And he gives the kid villager the kyber crystal and then that's the end. There you go. There's your recap. <laughs> so, where, where do you want to start with this? Um, it, it's, it, it is like a, it is like a Kurosawa movie, but it's like a Kurosawa movie, like Kurosawa did an adaptation of Lone Wolf and Cub. Cause that it's... was actually, um, cause on Disney Plus, they also have behind the scenes extras where they, they, um, interview like the directors and stuff like that. And the, the director of this short flat out said that they pulled from, um, I didn't write it down. Lone Wolf and Cub, um, the kingdom one, the Kurosawa kingdom. What's that one called? Um, Hidden Kingdom. Hidden Kingdom. And that Star another... Wars pulled a lot from. There's whole scenes from that 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 are that are. In, there's two characters that are R2D2 and C3PO in that that are lost in a desert and arguing with each other as they walk through the desert. Mm-hmm. I th- I think it's Hidden Kingdom, but I I think 
and to, to start with this one, um, I I find the dual like the the, the and I'm going to say this it's going to be a bad thing, but let me explain. Um, to me, the duel is like a solid first episode. Personally, out of all my like, fa like if I had to rank them, like it's right in the middle of the pack for me. But that's not a bad thing because it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like it didn't like really push anything for me, which is totally fine because it's supposed to be a love letter to Kurosawa, which is very cool, and it's also just the perfect opening for Visions because when being the first episode, if you sit down and just like watch it straight through on Disney Plus. When normal people think of anime or Japan, after they like wipe away like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z and Gundam, this is pretty much what they think of next. Is Re just, like, remember how everybody story. was mad at Star at Star Wars? Not everybody, but you know, like everybody was mad at Star Wars and The Mandalorian came out. This is like I don't know. I mean, people are mad at Star Wars all the time. So you guys yeah, but then the Mandalorian came out, and all of a sudden, a lot of the people that were mad were like, "No, this I like," or you know, and even the and the, like basically almost everybody was like, you know, more or less was like, "I like this." I think this was their safest opening because it's basically the Mandalorian, and the Mandalorian really is basically this. So it's almost like this statement saying here is the most distilled essence of the source material that you got, you know, your material mixed with the source with, you know, star Wars mixed with the source material in just a most basic way, a most basic visual storytelling way. Cause you know, that that's a big, that the visual storytelling is a big aspect of star Wars and huge aspect of, of Akira Kurosawa and Lone Wolf and Cub and and all all the things it was playing off of, and it 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 just gives you a cool battle. And I think it's this it's you know if they put something that was more stylized out in front, there would have been well, a imagine lot of people if twins like went first. Like if twins went first, ooh. yeah, or or even tattooing Rhapsody. You know, or or probably any other numbers from. I think this is the one to go first because this would get people who are like not into anime or or maybe like questionable about it or whatever. They would go like, "All right, this was this is cool." You know, it has yeah. all the aspects of Star Wars that are cool. It's simple. It's you don't have to think about it too much, which you know that's not a dig on it. It's just yeah, like everything just pretty we're saying, to look like, at. It's just a nice little story, and yeah, it's neat. Yeah, like I and I just I want to say it again. Like the, none of this is a dig because I think it's a very solid opening, and this is I think after like Sailor Moon and Gundam and Dragon Ball Z, like this is probably what a lot of people think that anime is like. And there is a huge, um, a huge genre of like historic Japanese anime. Like I, I remember watching like Brogroni Kinchin uh, uh, when I was a kid and stuff like that. Like these like kind of like feudal Japanese like set stories. And so um, I, I, I think it is uh, the perfect solid opening well, for visions. Well, it's like anime, but it's almost like more of a, a nod towards cinematic stuff. Than they did that on purpose. They wanted to capture the monochrome um, uh, uh, feel of a, of a Kurosawa film. Of a black and white. And, and, like and it, it, feels, it feels like a lot it. of it was rotoscoped. You know, it feels like yeah. a lot of it where they, they animated over real actors doing things. And they... They, yeah, there it was. It, there was just some really nice details 
of it. That my favorite part of it, the music in this is gorgeous. It is it's different than most than than Star Wars music, but it's also so completely Star Wars music. It's the most John Williams-y it because like people like when they're like, I'm gonna evoke John Williams, they take his themes and stuff. And just his like sort of tropes and stuff, but this got the feel for how John Williams puts his things in the visual layout of it, and the music was just sending warm fuzzies all up my spine. Like the I first viewing of this, note. I was just like, "Oh." I have a note about that. That like when they're fighting on the log, um, it almost sounds like Duel of the Fates. It's not quite yes. there, but it invokes Duel of the Fates. Yes. And actually, I, I took some notes because, um, like I said, on Disney Plus they have behind, like six, like six to seven minute behind the scenes special things for every episode. So some of the notes I took from that um, in the river log scene, they talked about in the behind the scenes that one of log their inspirations first log roll in Star Wars. Yeah, and they actually talked about the inspiration from that scene was episode three when Obi Wan and Anakin are fighting over the lava, um, and then when the waterfall scene is like separating the Sith lady from Ronin. That's a nod to episode one when Maul and Qui-Gon are separated by the force field. And they even mirrored yep. when Maul was impatient and he hit the force field with his lightsaber, the Sith lady hits the waterfall with her lightsaber. So what I liked about that note was um, it shows that these, like, the, these creators like truly love Star Wars and they wanted to pay homage to scenes in the movies and i was just like yes thank you for giving me prequel love because everybody knows how much i love the prequels so yeah I, I just thought that was cool such a cool little note because like it's so drastically different from something in the movies but it's clear that they love it so much by even putting in these visual homages to the movies well i love that the log roll is a great thing nobody's thought of using log rolls in star wars because it's like kind of a goofy lumberjack thing but then when you see the way two Jedi use a rolling log in a, and that's the thing, a rolling log is like the most unstable thing in the world. You know, the only thing that would be more unstable is if you're on some like, like globe, like in the water, you know, trying to stand on it because it just turns constantly. And then when you have two people with their feet on it, you know, it's, and, and the, it's, it, it's just a perfect nobody had thought of it yet and it was just like I love that I love that that's another part of Star Wars is finding new it's like James Bond finding new innovative action things and that mm. and and especially when it like visually and thematically serves a story too it's really it's really cool mm-hmm um, and the other note that I took from the behind the scenes, which I thought was really interesting, um, was they talked about the importance of the kettle. So, cause uh -huh. Ronan's just like, I need you to have my droid fix before this kettle starts spoiling. And they did that purposely as a way that they wanted a timer on the story without having numbers. And it was a way to up the stakes and the drama of the climax because you're waiting for this kettle to boil and then it starts whistling and his droids activated. Um, so I just, I thought that was cool that the, and, and it felt like a very Japanese thing. Like, you know, we don't need this clock. Like I just want this kettle to boil and have my droid ready. And it was just a really cool thing, um, that, that I liked. So, so the cool thing I wanted to, other thing I wanted to talk about before, cause all my notes outside of this are just kind of little, um, 
I think it's interesting that there's the reveal that Ronan is actually a Sith. And so he is a Sith fighting another Sith, but he's still playing a very heroic role. And I, I like that twist on the story that because this could have just been easily another like good versus evil. But it's really like technically bad guy versus bad guy because he's a rogue Sith, which is a very interesting twist to all this. He's 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 got he's gone good, but he's full of self-loathing because that scene where they're like, you're a Jedi. And then he like he pulls his sword out and shows them it's red. So they go <gasps> and he's just like, going, no, I'm a piece of crap. See, <laughs> and then what, what's up with giving the kid a red, <laughs> a red um, kyber crystal and telling him it wards off evil i don't know if that's how that works i really don't know i was like going like oh, i don't know dude that's why it's on kid it, it doesn't matter i'm feeling that kyber crystal is gonna be like hey kid i don't think you're <laughs> ruling, ruling with an iron in a fist <laughs> um but i just i i like that story reveal because it, it just kind of turned the whole like story on its head um the rest of my notes for this one are just kind of like little. Uh, I had to, I, I'm a sucker for the lightsaber umbrella. It brings back good old memories of the Inquisitor helicopter sabers. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> bring back my hovering Inquisitors with their lightsabers and piss off everybody again. <laughs> she's not, she's only like just one millimeter off from a Inquisitor anyway. I love her design though. Like I, I think that because um, I, I really love that she has like this elegance to her, but also this like really horrifying mask on. But every time she loses a piece of clothing, her design completely changes. Yes, her whole and, shape. Yes. And her silhouette when, when, changes, which is when such her a hair, cool thing. When her hair comes out, she looks like an illustration by this comic artist named Bill Sinkevitz. It, she totally looks like something that Bill Sinkevitz designed come to life. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. The whole way that they're shaded and drawn is very Bill Sinkevitz-like. Yeah. I I gotta give a shout-out, because I love the alien designs, too. Like, I love the Transdotion. Like, the Transdotion is amazing in this, yeah. in this format. And then there's also the Doug that rides in the droid and just, like, flies around in the little droid and shoots things. Like, there's so many cool designs. And my baby, the Chopper droid, I don't know what else to call him, because that is Chopper as a droid, but in a different alternate history with his little hat, and he just comes out. Just like our good boy Chopper. And he's the baby cart. Havoc. He's baby cart. He's baby cub cart? in his baby cart. I don't know what you mean by that. Lone wolf and cub. It's, he's the little kid in his, in his little oh. pram. Yeah, he's his sidekick. And, <laughs> and that's it. And the, and the little kid will, will like every once in a while, like knives will fly out of his baby carriage and stuff. It's, Awesome. <laughs> you know, that would be something fun to do for our commentaries is watch movies that inspired Star Wars because I've never seen Lone Wolf and Cub. And I've never seen Buck Rogers. <laughs> Wait, that's no Flash Gordon, that's the one. Oh like um, is it Flash Gordon? Yeah, and Buck Rogers. Sure, both of those. They're, but that they're... might that might be fun because I've I've never seen those. I, I kinda want to. Um Would you want to so, yeah, yeah. 
I'll just throw out there. Have you have you see, even seen the '80s Flash Gordon? I've never seen any of them. A single oh, one. Oh boy. Oh my God. Oh, a triple play would be Flash Gordon, the original serial, which you can find in like where they've edited it all together into a movie. Um, then Flesh Gordon, the the X-rated Flash Gordon, which is insanely close to the original Flash Gordon in execution and uh, is X-rated. It's not, it's sort of porno, but it was, it's like X-rated, whereas the humor is rude and it's got a lot of nudity in it and some like sexy time sex stuff. But it's very close to Flash Gordon. And then the 80s version, which is camp with a queen soundtrack, but still also very close to the original Flash Gordon. And the, the 80s the eighties Flash Gordon is the greatest Flash Gordon of all of the Flash Gordons. It's amazing. It's so fun. It's so cheesy. I don't know about... I know we're classy. I don't know if we, we should go like full Flash Gordon on the show. Oh, well, Flash Gordon is... I don't know if Dario and I have done it for... Uh, I don't think we've done it for Eat It and Beat It yet. But like Flash Gordon... there. I mean, like... Anything like if you went to a porn site, any like the mildest thing you found on the porn site would be like 15 to 20 times more um, explicit than something in Flesh Gordon, you know, I although like there were there they were, you know, there's rumors that they made it more like a straight out porno movie. There's there were PG cuts of it that that went out to just regular theaters. Because it's basically just a, a. a parody of Flash Gordon with rude jokes. But yeah, yeah, I'll that see. could be fun. Well, uh, did you have anything else for the duel? I duel not. <laughs> oh, yes, I do. I do. Uh, it, it was actually, I think you missed your note on it, was oh. uh, the lights. Oh, yeah, yeah, colored, yeah, yeah. Colored lights. I had the same. I had the same notes. Only, only weapon like artificial weapon, lights, fire, and artificial lights. Like the sunlight didn't have any color, uh, and fire didn't have any color. It was only like artificial lights had color in them, which was, was really cool. I think I think that didn't mean anything. I think that was just a design idea that they had that visually just was beautiful it was a great mm-hmm. idea <laughs> yeah yeah it it really made those pop like i like when you have like the overlooking the town and like those are the only colors that you see and it also yeah. helps the lightsabers pop as well in this world um so yeah uh i don't have anything else because i just really want to talk about my favorite your, one of all your of baby them. my okay. baby i'm excited to talk about tattooing rhapsody i have like two pages of notes. <laughs> some of some of the most some of okay. Usually, Hope and I do a uh, a show of a twenty-two minute episode broken into three parts. And uh, so this is a this is actually this show works out to be sort of like broken up into three parts. Hope has more notes here on this one episode <laughs> one episode of this. Then a lot of the times we'll have in a whole 
whole show of whatever show we're doing. I wrote yeah. half my notes before I even started watching it or wrote, watched the behind the scenes. And I think a lot of it is because, like, this one gets shit on a lot when it's my favorite. So I'm about to justify why it's brilliant. <laughs> so, all right. <clears throat> I could see where this one gets shit on, but it would, I, I, but only because I know there's probably a lot of people who this just isn't their thing and are just like. And I'll, yeah. I'll talk about that too because this. This one provided something that I've been personally wanting in Star Wars, and I talked about it a lot in Rebels, so let's get into this. So, Tatooine Rhapsody was produced by Studio Colorido, whose other works include A Whisker Away, which is a very cute movie. It's on Netflix. It's a very cute little movie. And they also worked on on Pokemon shorts called Poketunes, which is great, as well as the beautiful and wonderful series Pokemon Twilight Wings, which is a short series that i just fucking adore is it about sparkly vampire pokemon no 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 it's uh it made me fall in love with pokemon sword and shield for the first time which i was not very hot on the galar region and it made me fall in love with it like i loved twilight wings so much the writer was yusumi ada yusumi atar Adarashi. Yasumi Adarashi and the director was Taku Kimura. And the English voice cast is Joseph Gordon Levitt as Jay, Star Wars Resistance's Bobby Moynihan as Geezer, the Star Wars audiobook narrator Mark Thompson as Lan, Shelby Young as K 344, aka Curry, and Tamura Morrison reprises his role once again as Boba Fett. Oh. I start- yeah, dude, the English cast is like stellar in this. We haven't even like got to like George Takai or anything. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I didn't hear any of that. I guess I'm gonna have to go back around and and watch those versions. Well, if you want to borrow my Disney Plus account, I won't say no. So, <laughs> um, so I actually kind of want to start this with some of the behind the scenes stuff, uh, because before I get into like a lot of my personal feelings, because I this is probably the most that I wrote down for the behind the scenes. Um, so I have like a few notes about this so in the behind the scenes featurette um, the creators for both America and Japanese flat out said that this was a huge piece of breath air for the franchise and it's the and it, at its heart is everything that Star Wars represents um, a focus was to celebrate music of Star Wars in a new, new and unique way one of the musical influences was, was the Ramones Blitzkrieg Bop and because Star Wars is a space opera, they really wanted to make a rock opera. And they went to a lot of details talking about how the story is of Jay and Guy breaking away from their strengths of the past with Jay's Jedi life and Guy's ties to the Hutt family. And they fully acknowledged um, in the behind the scenes and understood that this was a huge risk, especially being the only short that featured established canon characters. They didn't want to lose what made Boba Fett intimidating, even though it was in such a cute style. But the studio and creators made a point to ground these characters first and foremost in who they were while letting the new characters sing, pun intended. Director Taku Kimura said that Boba Fett was his favorite Star Wars character, so there was a ton of love put into his writing, and it was actually hard for him to not make Boba Fett the focus of the story because he loved him so much. And they, to show how much love was put into the short, they made a point to bring in Akira Kanata, who, is the, who voices Boba Fett, uh, who is the voice of Boba in the Japanese version, because he's been the official voice actor for Boba Fett, Jango Fett, and the Clone Troopers in the Japanese dubbing of Star Wars for many years now. And that's just to show how much love was put into the short. 
So that's some of the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, you should go first because I'm about to talk for a while. <laughs> what were your thoughts on Tatooine Rhapsody? And then I'll uh, tell you why you're wrong. I'm, I'm not. T- I'm not here to hate on it at all. Um, the I mean the I the only thing sort of negative I can say about it is that kind of music isn't my I not a fan of that kind of music it doesn't grate on me unless i listen unless it's being played a lot (laughs) like if i was was like sitting in a kitchen working like i've have before and listening to like the third tenchi moyo soundtrack i'll start like chewing through my own arm but that would happen with a lot of different things like reggae and stuff that i'll start out enjoying it so it's not really my like that that just sort of really I think I basic got a, power pop sort of thing. I, I worked at a hot topic for several years, so I was exposed to a lot of music like this. So I'm just like, it's fine. I have an immunity to it. Yeah, I I'm 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 not a fa- I I'm I it's it's good. Like it's I I'm I don't think it's bad music. It's good. Like if I it's good training. It's good, like, if you want to start little kids on rock and roll early, you can just play rock and roll for them. But something like that that's that has, like, simpler lyrics and is, like, made for kids, it's good starter rock and roll. But, like, the you know, there's a whole, there's, like, I'm, I'm a, you know, there's the, the way it's produced and stuff. But that's the only thing that's not, like, I don't have a problem with, stylized like star wars for kids as a matter of fact i was i was rolling with it and this was full of just like i mean it, it was it barely like three seconds went by bef- when something really fun or cool wasn't going on directly on screen or in the background there's a wilhelm scream they 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 got the they got the um Slave One sound effects, which are very distinctive, that as it flies away, um, it's kind of neat because it's probably in all nine of these. I, I, you know, we'll have to watch the rest of them, but I'm pretty sure of all nine of these, this is the most grounded story of just as a story, as a just sort of basic, you know, this is what's happening, and it's and it's and it's. It's happening sort of in the in the job of the hot world sort of thing, but it's it's very much like resistance or um or the the sisters on Coruscant where it's you know it's these are you know it's it's sort of more of a slice of life story or or it's not a slice of life story because it's sort of like a showbiz it's a standard like we're gonna be stars, you know everybody you know. We got to do our performance and like everybody's watching and it's it's like, you know, the like the anime shows with a band or something, which is what is the the charm of it. Mm. But it's also one of the more stylized visually of all of them. So it's like grounded and stylized at the same time. I mean, um, my my favorite visual. um representation was bib fortuna looking like butthead basically <laughs> butthead. 
he almost had, you know like the he almost had the like oh mouth breathing butthead mouth and stuff it was fucking awesome and uh <laughs> i um my only story note is like at the funny at the end it's funny i was thinking yay we're sponsored by organized crime <laughs> but this show like i don't think this is the i don't think this is the peak achievement of what could be done with these characters in this format but i think this is like a perfect like pilot episode for for a series it's the perfect pilot for it it introduces almost every element that that you need for ongoing stories you know except for the rival band or whatever but actually it could be the it could be the tattooing you know java it could be the cantina band you know because you I see that, that sort of jealousy them, jealousy watching them on just going like <laughs> oh what's this so like yeah this 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 one of all of them although there's a there's a quite a few of these that could that almost all of these could be a pilot for something else this That's one, actually a very interesting uh, thing that people have been discussing because already there's talks of Visions having a season two. And so that's been an ongoing talk about like which of these would people want to be expanded. And the ninth Jedi, which we'll talk about next week, is like the number one ranked one. Um, I have to watch it again, but there's a couple of them that are very and I believe the ninth Jedi is one of them that are very like set up to like you I could really it? go forward with this, you know. Uh, <laughs> Oh Jesus! Okay, you were saying, Chris. I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, there's just a there's 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 all of these <laughs> could could be could go on to be expanded upon, but there's several of these that are very that are almost like set up. You know, mm-hmm. they're almost like perfectly set up to have. To have sequels and i remember like uh, as we, we go through on my second viewing though i remember most of my favorite ones were almost like the ones that that could be the beginning of a series or something which is you know that's the thing is i'm sure at some point everybody thought when pitching this and accepting it and doing it that it was like this is a good this is nine different things this is you know nine different things going up against the wall and if something sticks and gets enough interest who knows you know maybe we might might want to go with something like that you know mm-hmm. so and also you know the it opens up uh it opens up new markets too so mm-hmm. yeah but i i totally could see this being the pilot of of uh of a whole series but that's all I got. Hope you got anything on this one. I have a lot on this one. Here we go. Oh. Um. So, I love this episode. I I love this short. Um, it's I I I was thinking about it, and my three favorites, just for spoilers for the next two weeks too, is Tatooine Rhapsody, The Village Bride, and The Elder. Um, but the more I, this is the one I've come back to the most. I've watched this one the most, and I think it's because, for one, it hits a bias of mine, and it hits something that I personally have wanted to see more of in Star Wars. I talked about this a lot with Sabine Wren when we were going through Rebels, about how badly I wanted to see more of her artist side. I've wanted to see characters 
where they're like Cinna from the Hunger Games, where they use their artwork or their fashion or like their music to like speak out against the Empire and like what would that look like? I wanted to see more bands and musicians. So like this really right away hit a bias of mine well, that I really have been wanting. I also have to say this is the only one if I if I recall right that's straight up upbeat, you know, upbeat, oh, yeah. upbeat fun. It's upbeat it's so fun. Much fun. It's got danger and intrigue and stuff, but it's it is made to be fun. It's it's happy and it's it's light and amusing. And, you're, and, you're and right a, in like there's a lot of weight on most of the other, uh, most everything on this ha- have, and not to their detriment, but a, a lot of stuff ha- is really heavy handed, dark side, light side, and this is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, as I, is I actually... its genre, the genre that it's crossing with. So it's it's a breath of fresh air. I'm surprised they didn't put it more towards the middle to sort of break up the mood a little more, you know, put yeah. it in the middle to split up the somber halves of the other halves of of the show. Yeah, like I, I have in big letters. It's fun. Let Star Wars be fun, which is something I was talking about when when we were wrapping up Star Wars Resistance last week. Um, one of the the perks of Resistance is it's just a fun show, and I think that there's like this kind of like negativity around like fun star wars like oh it's too kitty but like star wars has always been like fun like the ewoks are fun yeah, but resistance still managed to slip some genocide and uh fascism into it too yeah so. and i just what i love this story because visually it's so different from everything else and like chibi is a, a, a genre of anime like you have like chibi things and it's so it's really cute to see like these canon characters in this design and it's bright it's such a bright short like there's so many like bursting colors each of the characters are visually stunning um and they they're so drastically different from the rest of visions so it just it just from design alone well, it i like how it will go from out. being sort of flat like it looks almost like a flash or you know a, a web cartoon or something when you first when the image first comes on and then once everything starts moving the dimensionality comes out of it and it's just it's it's really neat how they do that and just because of the style, it completely reimagines a place like Tatooine. Like, I'll probably talk about this when we get into the Mandalorian um, in, you know, at the start of the year. But, like, Tatooine is not my favorite planet. It's one of my least favorite planets. But here, because of the visual style, it completely breathes new life into a very well-known location. And even just, like, little things, like... Like to make it fun, like Jabba thumping his tail to the music is so. Well, that's funny. the thing is, we're we're on tattooing, but we're not in the middle of like, you know, duel of the fates story, which is usually we're like tattooing. It's usually, you know, when we're on tattooing, it's when great thing, you know, the tides of fate are turning. We find Anakin, Anakin's mother dies, you know, and to the end where Ray buries her lightsaber there and declares herself a, a Skywalker. You know, every every time they go to Tatooine, it's for uh, it's like nitty gritty. For, for Darth Maul goes to Tatooine to die, you know, and this is just like 
hey, you know, the nephew of Jabba the Hutt is getting called back because he's not going into business and he's being abandoned and then gets turned into Frank Sinatra, basically, you know, or, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's, it's just fun. So it, it does it. So it's not like, oh, geez, here we are tattooing again. I wonder who's what, what, what's going to go to shit now. You know, it's not that it's just, it's it. Cause basically Jabba's palace and all that stuff. And, and now we got like Boba, the Boba Fett show coming up that, all that stuff is really cool. And like the only, like in return of the Jedi, the only thing was I wasn't too hot on being in Jabba's palace because there was story to get to. And I wanted to get to the story, but if we're going to just have thing, you know, if we don't have pressing issues of, you know, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader to, to go for, I'll hang out at Jabba's palace all day and, and we're not just even watch there. anything we're the, that's we're going the on. We're at Stadium, which is, uh, which is an episode one location. And I like how they show it's the Padres Stadium, but as our other stadiums and race car things, it's also a place to have concerts. It's also a mm -hmm. place for Jabba to hang out and, you know, so there, there's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's really, it was, it was really fun. And I had to laugh as I was watching this because like it flashed in my head. One of the very first things we ever did on, on the show was the Clone Wars movie. I, I think it's the, it's the first episode. And I remember you like going off about the rock music and Star Wars and just being like, damn you, Kevin Kiner with your electric guitars. But it works here. And like, I will say like, the, I am biased to this music because I grew up loving Whoa. pop punk. Hold on, I'm stalking. I grew up uh, loving pop punk. Like some of my favorite bands are like Fall Out Boy, uh, Panic at the Disco, My Chemical Romance. Like that's what I grew up with. Like that was my high school. Like that's my form of music. And like the music is so drastically different from a lot of things in Star Wars because you have these like musical interludes that's all on like electric guitar and it's like it's, yeah, it's, it's so different and it just hits me like right in my core it, of it, things I but love. it but it's familiar in its form because it sounds it's not like it's made with weird space instruments it's very you know in the in the it's made with the standard chords and everything it's very but it's all consistent within the framework the the, the art style the style that it's drawing from the the kind of story tropes that it you know the, that it's that it's running off it all and and i i often wonder if stuff like this like doesn't like it doesn't feel as weird when i watch it anymore and i think I, a lot of that has to do with fandom and like fan art and stuff and that like we have gotten used to seeing people um interpret all of you know fandom as in every different style you know i'm gonna do star wars as a classical renaissance painter i'm gonna do it in, in you know this style and this style and we're we're used to seeing it reinterpreted that it's more natural now to see that it doesn't feel jarring anymore to see all of a sudden star wars transposed into a different style you know and i mean there was a period where they were doing the comics in manga style you know mm -hmm. and, and they and, still do that yeah 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 and um high republic and, has its own manga called edge of balance and yeah and it's uh and i think it's it's just become more more commonplace and like you know our culture is very into mashups and 
and stuff like that. So I think it's, I think, you know, we're just, uh, I think as a culture, we're just more open to it now than before. Although I don't think we would, I, I shouldn't say open. Cause like, I think maybe like if this came out like way earlier, you know, way early, like pre-internet, it would have been a huge sensation because of the, the jarringness of it. You know, people would have been like, whoa, and it would have been so different. And, and, you know, you just can't, you can't really like dispute the quality of these, these episodes. People put a lot of work into them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I think today it's just sort of like people are just like, oh, okay, it's this. And, and you know, and of course you're always going to get the, the, the dingleberries that are just like, I like it, but it was like too Japanese, you know? I went to my vape store and uh, my, the guy there had a new hope on. And Visions had just came out. And so I, you know, I saw that he was watching it. And I was just like, so what do you think? Have you seen Star Wars Visions? He was like, yeah. He was like, it was fine. But, like, I don't understand why it had to be so Japanese. And I just kind of <laughs> stared at him like, that's the point, dude. <laughs> like, I just stared at him. And I was like, well, I'm going to go now. Have a good the, day. Enjoy the very it. premise of it. But, okay. Yeah. That's exactly but, yeah, why yeah, it yeah. There's always going to be that guy. There's always going to be that guy. They're 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 just a statistical reality that you have to deal with. But you know, for the for the most part, it, it, it's not like. Uh, uh, although this is very like, um, new. It's very uh, unique and fresh because I've never seen anything before. It wasn't it wasn't shocking in its in its newness, you know, because I think we're just like used to having variations of it but that was good because i got to just sit down and just like watch it and enjoy it like any other show and like and uh it was actually like in a jay guys and jedi context it was even better because uh, you know i was just reaching for my notebook and going like oh that's right i don't have to take notes because i like it was instantly filling my head with you know ideas of things to talk about and, and to, like, kind of, like, you know, just an example of, like, how well it blends, like, Star Wars with Japanese culture. Like, the character of Lan in this short is has such an interesting design because he's clearly a nod to Japanese Oni, which are demons. But he fits right into the Star Wars universe. He's just a three-headed, bodied creature. And yeah. it fits perfectly in, even though it's a total nod to Japanese Oni. And it just blends that so seamlessly. Like, I don't need to know what his official Star Wars species is. He just exists, and it's there, and he's fully established. And, like, it's it's such a cool thing. But I really want to talk about um, the story of Jay. Because Jay is such an interesting character to me. And he feels so much like already established Jedi. Um, and I loved how Jay except I, I keep falling back on the elder because a it's one of my favorites and it's a very jedi master padawan story but like what i liked about jay's story is it's a very jedi story no matter how unconventional it is and he reminds me in he's a lot of ways a, he's being a he's a music padawan well more than that like he reminds me in a lot of ways to to kanan um because kanan um 
Jay and Kanan's stories are eerily similar, especially in the comic books when uh, Kanan was like pretty much like fell into a dumpster and was found by a smuggler, and the smuggler took him out under his wing. Jay fell into Guy's transport, and Guy's like, "Yeah, come with me. I'll take care of you." So like it, it's hitting a lot of those like familiar beats to like that we've seen in Star Wars Rebels and in the books and the comics, like in A New Dawn and stuff like that, because it's about people who found Kanan and Jay and helped him along the way. But Jay is such a good Jedi because even though he's like in hiding and he's now on this like musical train and like this is now his passion, he still has a sense of duty as a Jedi because he doesn't want to abandon Gi. Not only because saving Gi is the right thing to do, but he has he doesn't want to give up someone he's become attached to and someone he loves, which is very Kanan because Kanan has shown us that you can be a Jedi and still have a woman you love be like have this found family that you're attached to and still do your Jedi duties. And he reminds me so much of like Kanan and Rey as we talked about. And it's hitting a lot of those same beats and even like a little bit in the High Republic Jedi who have more unconventional Jedi. But what I think I love most about Jay as a Jedi is how the story is um, resolved because it has a very traditional Jedi resolution. Because he yeah. doesn't use violence, he uses his skills and his and and uh, he uses his skills and his tools to outwit Jabba for a non-violent resolution, which is exactly what a Jedi should do. Yes. And his lightsaber is still his weapon; it's just not being used as a sword; it's being used as a microphone that he wields. And it's such a very cool Jedi ending, which makes him just such a cool, unique Jedi. But it it ends in a non-violent way, well, which is a, just so great. The, my my like I flipped I flipped my view on him on the two uh, my there was a with his relationship with Guy and him flip flopped on the second viewing because the first viewing I pictured Guy as like sort of like maybe a Seuss from Gravity Falls type character like uh, for a lack of a better word like you know the like stoner band guy trope where he's he's not a stoner but he's just sort of like a good-natured like pure person but like kind of like down on his you know not lucky and you know with big dreams and stuff uh, that and and um jay's just jay's falls in with him and is going to be protective of him as as a Jedi's you know found family sort of thing but as I fl as I watched it again and it was when I noticed on their first meeting I remembered it as as Guy saying who are you but he said what are you and then the first thing Jay did is look at the guitars mm -hmm. and uh it was a very like master and Jedi moment or Padawan moment like what are you I'm a Jedi master or whatever but like no I'm 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 a guy. I'm the lead, and then the next scene, I'm the lead, he's the lead singer in the band, and and then he uses the band. I mean, like, uh, like I mean, there's very little of him being like a force parkour fighter, super Jedi stuff to save the band in this because he's got a high sort of high that he's a Jedi too. Mm -hmm. So now I look at at um, Gia is sort of like more of like the the master in it he's just not coming out as like i will teach you he's doing it sort of 
passively like as like I'm an oaf, but at the same time, like he like actually like there there were things that Jay, who's just basically a, a, a kid Jedi, you know, can can learn from this guy that like improve him as a Jedi. So now I was looking at Gia as sort of the one leading Jay through the story and Jay, you know, saving the day at the end. I really like that interpretation. I didn't think of it that way. That's a really cool interpretation. That That's, that's sort of like, I, I, yeah, I just totally like it just switched the second viewing of it after that scene switched the whole lens through which I was watching it. Yeah. And like something I also really like about this one too, is the opening. Um, because there's a running joke in the theater that Order 66 has become the Uncle Ben of Star Wars. <laughs> because we always seem to fall back on Order 66, which is a major event in Star Wars. Don't I think wrong. that's in bad taste because it's just saying that all those dead, dead. Oh, never mind. I'm thinking dead clone troopers looking like Uncle Ben's fried rice, but no, that no, was, no, uh, no, 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 Jedi. No, I'm talking about Uncle Ben from uh, Spider-Man. I know. I know. She's died in like every version, but like we've seen so many versions. Batman's dad, parents. Yeah, like we've seen so many versions of Order 66. And, you know, from like Cal Kestis to Kanan to, of course, the movies to Ahsoka, like we've seen so many versions. And this is one of the more unique ones where it doesn't like like it doesn't harp on order 66 and what i really liked was the visual storytelling which i'm about to critique the fuck out of in the twins because it's actually my my massive problem i have with the twins but i love the visual story i should say the lack of visual storytelling in the twins i should clarify that but i love the opening because it doesn't say much we get everything we know there's battle droids there's dead clone troopers. Jay's on the run. It's clearly Order 66, but we don't need to have this moment of just like, I'm Jay and I'm a Padawan. No, he runs. He falls into Guy's, uh, uh, he's a Padawan. He falls into Guy's car and Guy's like, let's go. And that's yep, it. Yep, like, that's yep, all we need. There's no time at all to mess around with, uh, with any, any, you know, anything but the briefest dealing with it and i love that i love that because normally we would we would normally we would be having a story of him evading having to evade and you know about him being a jedi and nope we don't have to think about that at all you you would think that boba's coming for him in a normal story right 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 Right. And, and I, like and, if this became a series down the line yes i'm sure we would have storylines dealing with stuff like that but at the same time, it was refreshing just to be like, okay, that's just plain and simple, the entry into the story. And then it go- it was about him going in a completely different direction. And it adds a layer of depth, too, because something like you said, you said, like, this is almost slice of life. Jay could just be a normal Joe Schmo. But because of that opening, we know that he's a Jedi in hiding, which adds depth to his character. Um, but it's it's depth to his character that's not an actually important for the story being told except for when he comes into like this crossroads of do i let gigo or not um but it's not needed because the story would still play out the exact same way it just adds depth to his character and it's great i love the opening um i think that's all my big notes so i'm just gonna run down very quickly through all my little notes to, to wrap this up um 
I I love the Rockstar Hut that's against the establishment. I love Curdy, the droid on guitar. She's my girlfriend. I want her in my life. I love her design. I love her design so much. The moment I saw Curdy and I'm like, she has these hips. I love that droid, which is saying something because I normally don't love droids. I fucking love Curdy. The moment you, I saw you her, usually, I mean, you you usually okay with with loving the little like you know droids. mech droids and stuff like that. But as soon yeah. as they start getting humanoid, yeah, we're getting yeah. into sketchy land. Yeah, yeah. Um, my next little note is Tamura Morrison is living his best Star Wars life this year. I hope he's having a great year because he just finished up uh, Mando at the beginning of the year. They he just put out the Boba Fett trailer. Yeah, as of it was today. It was this morning. No, it was yesterday. It was yesterday. Um, uh, yesterday. Yeah, and now he's in this. So Tamura Morrison, I hope you're living your best your best life. Good for you. He's he's an amazing actor. That's I, if if anybody ever sees Once Were Warriors which I don't recommend if you've had any history of domestic abuse because there's a lot of that in that movie. But it is, it is an, um, like, you know, Oscar, Oscar-worthy performance in it. There's, there's like three or four insanely wonderful performances in it. But he is, you know... He is the equivalent of like Samuel L. Jackson being in a Star Wars movie as far as like actor level or Alec Guinness or something like that. So I'm really looking forward to the Boba Fett show where he's going to truly get a chance for the first time to really act, you know, to like get his sink his teeth into a role. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. And instead of having just a few scenes or a little storyline or something. So like, yeah, I'm very, I'm very interested to see where that's going to go. Yeah. Um, my next little note is I love that their ship is also their stage. That's a really cool design. That just was like something I always wanted to do with our band Gad. I will always wanted to get, there was one time they retired a bunch of like trans handicapped transport vans so they had the thing that would lower the wheelchair down that was just big enough to put like a drum set on. And I was like, couldn't we just get one of these vans and like, you know, you just put the drum set on there. We have the speakers bolted to the side of it. You know, we just plug into the side of the van and go, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll talk a, a bit more about this next week because next week is when it really hit me in the Village Bride. But I love having Star Wars Resistance voice actors in Visions. So Bobby Moynihan is the voice of Guy in this. Um, and next week we have Christopher Sean as the voice of like the husband in the Village Bride. So, but it just makes me so happy because like you know we talked a lot about when we were covering Resistance, like the hate the show got. And I'm just so happy to see these Resistance voice actors just living their best life in Star Wars Visions. So I just well, this Star Wars Visions got twice as many voice actors paid. So awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, and to just talk a little about bit about the song that they sing in the climax, that song just makes me fucking smile. <laughs> like, it's just this like shot of serotonin, like straightened my brain. And like, I felt, I, I felt myself smiling when I was watching it and I've watched this short so much that I was singing along with it. But I also just wanted to say it is very, very difficult to translate a song from Japanese to English. 
because the languages are just so drastically different. And I'll talk a little bit about more of this yeah, in a second. They always end up, it always ends up seem, seeming like a, a series of disconnected phrases or yeah. meaning, and meaningless sentences. It's it's oh, and and you can tell whoever translated it was like I have to make this sort of work with the rhythm of it and try to get it as close as possible. But you can tell there's just like it's difficult. Yeah, literally and, the definition of lost in translation. And like like an example is like in Japan in Japanese they have multiple versions of the word love to talk about specific kinds of love. But if you translate it in English, you would need like three to four to five words. To translate just yeah. that one word. Yeah, like and German so, words. Yeah, and so like the fact that they were able to, because I've listened to both uh, the Japanese version and the English version of the song, and the fact that they were able to translate it even close and still have like a working song with a theme that's getting across the point of what the song is saying in both versions, that is a marvel and a feat because it is not easy. And it is just fantastic, and I love it so much. And yeah, I just I love this short. And I guess to, just to say at the end, like I love the short. It's my it's probably my favorite of visions. Like we still have to go through the next two up, like the two, next two weeks of this. But oh, Tatooine Rhapsody. Miss Bernice is the one. just climbed my chair. I if you heard that <laughs> noise, that was her claws <laughs> digging into my chair. But like this is the one that I've I've watched the most. This is the one I come back to the most. It just it's it I it's kind of like my comfort short of all the visions. Like I love this short. It is so well, yeah, unique. Yeah. It's so drastically different. It is so it just stands out on its own. And it, it's kind of how I felt about resistance. Almost um, everything else is too heavy to just watch over and over again. This one is you could watch over and over and over again without like. And you I know. think it's it's how I felt about resistance was Tatooine Rhapsody. They knew it was a risk. They said it flat out in the behind the scenes stuff. And like Re resistance, I would rather something swing for the fences and try something new and miss than not try at all. Well, this whole thing is sort of a risk and, and oh, yeah, going about, out like, on a limb. So other. might as well go for it. You know, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, it's like I tell it, my cat when she looks like she wants to jump off or onto my lap. If you're going to do it, do it. Don't just and, sit there looking at the me. Thing. Like, like, like resistance, like Tatooine Rhapsody doesn't care if you like it or not. It's still going to do its thing. And that's what I love yeah. about it. So, yeah. All right. Let's get into my least favorites of all of Visions. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I agree with you on that one. And I'm going to say, but I'm, I'm going to oh, preface this by saying it's definitely not of this episode. I can't, I can't say till I watch the rest of them, but this is definitely my least favorite of the three. Although is, I did not like it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I, and I do want to preface this as we go into the twins. I like all of the shorts, all nine of them. This is my, the one that gets me the most though, um, because of the, of, because of one thing in particular and, but that's not a bad thing because they're all good and there are still things in the twins that I still really love. So. All right, The Twins is one of two shorts produced by Studio Trigger, the second being The Elder, which we'll talk about in two episodes, which is really funny because The Elder is one of my other favorites. <laughs> Trigger's other works include Kill a Kill, Little Witch Academia, and the feature film Promare. And it was purposeful that the twins' protagonist, Kare, looks very much like Promare's lead, Leo, and it was a love letter to their own work. The writer was Hiromi, oh, I meant to pronounce his name, 
Hiromi Wakabayashi, and the director was uh, Hiroyuki Imaishi. And the English voice cast was Neil Patrick Harris as Kare, Alison Brie as Um, and John uh, Jonathan Lapau as D-20N. Uh, Too bad it wasn't Jonathan Lithgow. He's one of my favorite. Jonathan Lithgow um, is a Star Wars in-house voice actor. Like he's done. um, He was in Resistance. He was in Rebels. Um, He, I think, he was in season seven of Clone Wars. Is when he first came over. Um, So he's he's one of those in-house Star Wars voice actors. He was like, for example, like he was like a lot of the background citizen peoples in Resistance. So like he was always just kind of there. (laughs) <laughs> like as like stormtroopers or background people so so this is the only one of this week that I have broken into pros and cons so do you want to break this down between I, I guess like I, I, I want to start by I don't, I don't know how to approach this because I actually like everything about this short except for one fucking glaring thing that I hate um so how but- do you want to do this I, yeah, I don't have any really like cons about it. The so, only like con I have about it is it's very shallow. There's still the, the 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 things that were interesting about it. Like now, it's a little more interesting that you told me it took place post Tross, or was that sort of thing? And so that may that gives me more to think about about it. But at the same time. It's basically a big fight, you know, it's basically sort of like this reminds me of a lot of like, remember, there was a very, very labor intensive anime, even more labor intensive than any of these. But it took the people like 10 years to do it of uh, it was like uh, Star Wars um, TIE Fighter Brigade or something all in anime style. And somebody went through and did like Akira level, you know, animation on it, but they, you know, painstakingly did, and it's like, you know, two minutes long or whatever. And uh, it it reminded me of that where it's, this is just sort of like, let's show you what we can do sort of with these characters and let's just do a big epic fight that's sort of like this is where we get into the alternate universe thing this is just sort of like reflections of like the holdo maneuver and then, uh ray and about, kylo and the last jedi and stuff like that so how about this I, let me just get my con out of the way because okay. i want to talk about the things i do love about this because i actually do like most of this my con and this is what i was kind of alluding to when i was talking about the lack of visual storytelling Kare and Um won't fucking shut up. Yeah. They talk solidly for 15 fucking minutes to the point where they're narrating their own action. And at first I was like, like I said, I watched the dubbing for all these. So I was like, well, maybe it's a loss in translation thing. Because again, like, you know, you have to oftentimes use extra words in English to describe what's happening no. in Japanese. Yeah, no. This is the one short that I went back and watched in Japanese. And in that one, they don't fucking shut up i i was just thinking that was a a trope you know that it was well here's the kicker here's the kicker trigger also did the elder which we'll talk about in two weeks and that was the one with the master and padawan who go to the village and there's the old man sith that strikes down the padawan and fights the master 
they were, it blows my mind that they're the same company because the elder has so much visual storytelling like when dan doesn't say anything and is just like playing with the kids by winking at them no words are said and it's all visual storytelling and so yeah. when i look at the elder and i look at this one I, it blows my mind that they're the same company because well, I mean, maybe they made a choice to be talky in this one. Maybe they wanted to play with that trope. Maybe something. And it doesn't it work for me because I actually didn't to prepare for this episode. I skipped half of it because I was just like, I don't want to fucking listen to you two. This was the only time where about three minutes in, I audib- the first time I was watching this, about three minutes in, I audibly said, "Shut up!" <laughs> it came out of my mouth oh, like, just "God, shut up." Shut up. Because like Stupid they just, Seth. I don't. Because there's a thing like when I when I see something like like what we just talked about with Tatooine Rhapsody, the opening of that. There's very little dialogue, but from the visual storytelling, we get Jay's entire backstory of who he is, what's happening, and how he met Gee with almost no dialogue. And like, if I, I you know, you can put this on mute and get a lot of the story without the dialogue, and it's there. Like the visual, and it's it's almost like they're talking down. Like we have to narrate everything that's happening yeah. and tell Am and Kare's entire fucking backstory while they're narrating their own actions. And, and that's, yeah. it's it's so grating. And I it's thought not it was. Ju- I thought they were just playing with the. T- it didn't distract me, but like, yeah, I I don't like that. Up. I don't like that. You know, your power levels are too low, brother. It's over 9,000. It felt very Dragon Ball Z where they're just like, and now, and then don't get me wrong, I love Dragon Ball Z, and there is an audience for this. I will say, there is absolutely an audience for this. I am not that audience. But it it was to the point where it was distracting me. Like, if it was just one of, like, if I take this evil C-3PO droid, if the evil C-3PO droid was like, you and your brother are made for the dark side, and then they showed us the images of, like, how they were raised in clone with no dialogue, I would get everything I needed. Yeah. I don't need them to narrate those yeah. things. <laughs> and... And everything. So, like, that is my con of this one. And it completely ruins every time I watch this. And I just, I can't. Like, but, like, that's that's my con. Um, so, I, there we go. It's out in the open. Now, I love the rest of it. <laughs> I love everything that happens in it. And, um, and they kind of talked about, um, to kind of talk about the behind the scenes for this a little bit. In the behind the scenes featurette. They talked about how one of the pros of animation over live action is the, the ability to have over-the-top exaggerated forms and facial expressions and fights paired with long swinging camera shots, which is something that they just can't pull off completely in live action, which I totally agree. You could not do this short in live action. It just wouldn't work. It only works in an animated format. Yeah, no, it does, the, the, if you tried to make this battle like take place in real in real physics and real space it would look ridiculous it, it's it, but it looks it's ridiculous in this but it's stylized to the point of where it's it's awesome and cool you know it's it's yeah. meant to be like that it's almost symbolic you know there yeah. i mean it's like a lot of the you know movement and space and everything are like more symbolically represented rather than literally Mm-hmm. So your um, your lightsaber saws through a star destroyer. Yeah, 
And the other thing that the behind the scenes thing that, um, which I thought was very interesting because I kind of, I had, I wrote down all my notes while watching the shorts and then I went back and watched the behind the scenes. So it actually paired very nicely with one of my notes. Um, something the director said that this short, uh, while discussing the short is the importance of doing an homage correctly. It's easy to get lost in the world and trying to pay too much fan service. Rogue One with the two cantina guys on Jetta. So it's important to make sure to take an original idea in homage, but to make sure you go steps forward and add in new ideas, which I completely agree with. Does anybody, do you remember if anybody uses a Rolly droid in this or do they all use R2 style droids? Oh, I think in the ninth Jedi, the main character has, I know it, it's a small droid. I can't remember if it rolls or yeah. not. Um, I'd have to double check. So, but to get to my, like, my pros, I, I totally agree with you. I'm always here for Rule of Cool in Star Wars. Do you know what the Rule of Cool is? I can, no, no I don't know if it, I, I mean, I'm getting a good idea of it by the name, but so, no, I've never heard it before. The Rule of Cool, um, it first came out of D and Dungeons and & Dragons and, and, and role-playing games. But now it's become a TV trope, and it's to dispel arguments among fans of implausible implausibility in fiction. It means giving your players the chance to perform ridiculous stunts and bend the rules for the sake of an awesome scene. And that's how I feel about this one. I'm all down for Rule of Cool and these two fighting in the vacuum of space because it's fucking cool. It's yeah, so one of the cool. things you go to for entertainment is awesome scenes. Like, and stuff when, that you're not going to see and that you can't see and it's yeah. not going to happen and it's, it's incredibly impossible. That's like, when way Om more interesting. When when Om shoots the lightsaber out of her heel, like it shoots out of the heel of her shoe, I scream. Yeah, at that point, sure, why not, you know? It's so cool! And then she pretty much turns into General Grievous for like half the thing. It's that really cool. That, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what this was. This was a, a. This was. This was. This was. You know, maybe between this one and the other one, this one was their one of like, let's just get all the, let's just blow out all the like. It would be super awesome if we did this on the x largest scale, and we'll do it all in one short, and then we can focus on story more later on and make this one just a sheer you know that, huge like a, the, a battle that usually you would wait three or four movies to get to the point at but yeah. here we are here's the last 10 minutes of the trilogy yeah, of the epic trilogy and and it's made to just look cool and it does it has that same cutout look where at first everything looks sort of simple and like a cutout and then it starts moving and you get like all sorts of senses of depth and and uh and and scale and the the visual style of it you know every almost every frame is somehow divided up into two halves and mm -hmm. almost everything is about like either a dual something or a split down the middle or you know a split it's very you know symbolically laid out and mm -hmm. it, it's just very well thought thought out or sometimes a lot of times where things are mirrored the the droids named rd r duo you know yeah, yeah uh, i'm 
I bet I, I do have some thoughts about that, which I'm about to get to. You know, so um, so it's almost a play on on Ray and Kylo. Oh, and, I I and more disagree. And all that, you know, just and it's 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 this it's even though with all the talking, it, it is basically just like bathed in visualness. And like even just like little things, like there's a little moment where you know, like Kare and Om has just spent like 13 minutes fighting in the vacuum of space. But like at the end of the fight, like Om's flying through flying through space with no helmet, and her little evil C3PO comes out, and he's wearing a helmet, and he's a yeah. droid. That's yeah. hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah, it's it goddamn ridiculous. But yeah, it's so ridiculous. And now I I will say because to actually kind of get into like the um story story a little bit i don't see it as ray and kylo i see it as an alternate universe version of luke and leia because they're twins so does, yeah and this is like what could have happened if luke and leia were raised in the dark side and it just is seeped because we even end on Tatooine. well yeah he even sun. looks a lot like luke you know. And and it ends on Tatooine, where he, he's gazing out just like Luke did. And I really like that, because it, it so much, I know it supposedly takes place after Trost, but to me, this felt very anchored in A New Hope in a lot of ways, in the original trilogy, where, like, if, like, this could have been another version where Luke and Leia ended up being the Vaders together. Yeah. And even then, like, their armor, um, Amonkari's armor, are nods to Ralph McQuarrie's Darth Vader armor. Like, that's what their design is based off. And when Kare sheds it, he's wearing a very Han Solo outfit. It's very much like a New Hope Han Solo, and they even have their own C-3PO and R2. So what I really liked about the story is it felt like an alternate universe evil version of Luke and Leia, which I thought was really cool because it gave, it allowed for there to be a lot of original trilogy homages while still being very new and unique and doing cool new things in Star Wars while still feeling very familiar because we've seen a similar story to this before. I have a little note here that um, Cars, the mu- I don't know if it's the theme music or just the mu- music that plays a lot of times when you see car, but it sounds very Star Trek. It's the first oh, like five or six notes of the original. The da 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 da. da. <laughs> So my uh, my my final like little tiny note before I go into my tinfoil hat theory. Um, actually, there's two. I just I, I love seeing a reimagined version of the Holdo maneuver. I just that just keeps winning because I know how much people fucking hate it. I'm just like yes, do it more. Um, and there's one line in this though, and it's like my space whales line because as we talked about in our Rebels finale, I both love and hate the space whales. I don't know if I love or hate this line, but when Om when Om is like, "Where you going, Kare?" and he's wild says, "To a galaxy far, far away," it makes me laugh and cringe at the exact yes, same time. Yes, I, I don't know, know if I, I feel love the it or hate exact it. Exact same way. I feel the exact same way. Because on one hand, I'm just like, "Oh, they did the thing," and I was like, "That's dumb," but I also that love is, it. That is as on the nose as you're gonna get. And I think I love it because they had the balls to do it. Not They've because it actually... Got, yeah, no, 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 Star Wars, any other Star Wars has never gotten to that point 
where they've tried to pull that off yet. So yeah. hats off. Yeah, and I think that's why I do love it because that's a pretty damn big ball to do that, and it makes me cringe. But I laugh every time I hear it, so I'm just like, "Bravo to you!" It's almost dad joke level. <laughs> All right, so I want to talk about my old tiny tin hat theory because you know how I was saying about how I could see how this fits in the canon. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I feel like this is what someone would watch. In universe as a soap opera because it's so melodramatic. Yeah. Which I feel like someone could be like, you know, like I don't know, like Leia's having a long day. She comes home and she turns this on the yes. holiday. Oh, you mean it. a soap opera in universe. in universe? Like this is something they watch. Oh yeah, this is something Itchy watches on his Itchy and and what's his what the fuck is that little brat's name in Mala? Watch well, on their holo Lumpy? screen. Huh? Lumpy? Fluffy? Bumpy. Lumpy. This isn't his name like Lumpalooza or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Lumpapalooza. And, and, and what made me think about this is like when they first confront Car- uh, Kare in the hangar and he very dramatically throws down his helmet and it bounces and then his clothes just explode off of him. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. this is, it's so melodramatic. When she's and, coming after him, she's beating the shit out of her own star destroyer yeah their 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 weapon that they're about to deploy and she's just like going across the i'm like hey lady 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 that's about 10 billion dollars worth of space credits you've just of damage you've just done on your own thing just to just to be dramatic Yeah. yeah and so i feel like this is what somebody would watch in universe as a soap opera or a television screen or something and so that's like that's why I love it because I could see how it fits in the canon that way where it's just like you know like the war's over they go to the movies and this is the movie that they watch in yeah post tross so it's got little elements of all the Star Wars stuff just mixed but it's like a daily soap opera so it's all been blenderized so much mm-hmm. that it just comes out like this yeah that's I totally I, I totally accept that and put that in my head canon as now I have an episode of a real Star Wars soap opera. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but I, I, as hard, as much as I am critical on this one, I do love the rule for cool stuff. Like I love just the bonkersness of it. It's yes. just, it's batshit crazy, which yeah. is what I, I want more of in Star Wars. Yeah, so it's like 16 minutes long and you're like, and, and how can you get mad at it? You're watching it for 16 minutes and you go like, oh, okay, we're watching this. Oh, okay, they're going to do this. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't just, have to, ex- you know, this doesn't have to fit into canon or anything. I can just consume this as a sheer, you know, battle. You know, just a fun fight, you know, ridiculously over the top, more like a fat, like fast and furious type, you know, fast and furious eight type fight than a a mixed with Star Wars. Fine. Absolutely. Like, I'm all here for that. Like, actually, that's one of the things I like about anime is how it can be high drama at all times. And it's always over the top. You yeah. know, like I love when Vegeta's like, it's over 9,000. Like, I love shit like that. And and so, like, that's like the twins absolutely delivers on that element, which is what I love about this short. 
And it's just, and I love the homage. It pays to, to, to I, I know it's post-trust apparently, but like, I feel so original trilogy to me in so many ways. And so, yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, minus the fact that they won't fucking shut up. <laughs> if, if they, I, I, I was thinking. Don't worry, this. Hope. Do we just have to wait a couple years and then you'll get a filter app for all your, com- that you just pl- put on all your phones and computers and stuff that can make that. It'll just be called like shut up or something. And it, and it just filters out human voices. Well, my thing is, I, I was thinking about this. They could take out about every like two to three lines and it would still work. Like if they took out about like every other every every one or every other to every three lines, this would this would be perfect. Like it'd yeah. be exactly what I want. And it's just <laughs> it's not. Um, but that's all I had for the twins. Did you have anything else? I do not. So what are your final thoughts on these first three of visions? Um, my du- the duel I guess was my favorite, although I, it's. It didn't, it, it wasn't, it's not like it stood out from Tattooing Rhapsody and my twin, the twins were my least favorite, but overall, like, you know, everything was sought. Like, I mean, basically when I first watched this, these three hooked me right into it because they were all three completely different from each other. And they obviously had an intense amount of work and love put into them. Obviously people had waited their entire lives to get a chance to do all three of these, all nine of these. And, uh, it shows, you know, and it's, they're, they're gorgeous. All of them, all of them are, are super solid. Oh yeah. I, I think it's a strong opening for, with these three episodes. I mean, even with my gripes with the twins, I still love all three of them. And there's no bad episode of Visions because every single one brings something truly unique to Star Wars and brings something to the table. And it's all so much fun and it's so good. But man, do I love Tatooine Rhapsody. Like, as much as I adore The Village Bride, which we'll talk about next week, which is like Star Wars Rebels goodness being injected in my soul. And as much as I love The Elder, which is like High Republic goodness injected into my soul. There's something about Tatooine Rhapsody that makes it my favorite. And I, I continue to revisit it over and over and over again. I found the soundtrack today and I listened to it for a solid hour on repeat. And that soundtrack for that episode is only like 15 minutes long. <laughs> it's just, it's such a joy ride. And it's so much of what I personally have wanted in Star Wars. And it delivered. And I want a Star Waver shirt. They sell Star Waver shirts. And I want one so bad. <laughs> Why am I poor? Oh, my God. So, yeah. I, well, I if think it ends up being a show, you'll get albums. Think of that. Oh, uh, I would love a Star War- a Star Waver album to put on my wall. Just frame it up and stick it up there. Um, it'll, it'll be the first Star Wars album like official star wars out like you know besides like you know you have your soundtrack albums but it would be the first one since christmas and the stars where it's just sort of like a collection of songs of songs by star wars characters you know with people singing by with with in canon star wars singer or well you know or in you know yeah yeah We've been waiting um, 40 years for that. And I'm just I'm just so happy we're here just because I, you know, I grew up watching anime and I just 
I, I grew up watching anime, so so much of this is like just things, that, and I, and I've always just felt that anime and Star Wars are just like just so perfect for each other. And now that we have it, it's just this. I, I went into this. It's so rare to go into something with such high expectations and have the thing meet it and surpass it. Like, Visions completely surpassed everything I expected from the series. So, I mean, I can't wait to go over this for the next two weeks as well. So, I'm so glad we're here. <laughs> well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Just um, not this week. Just not this week, because um, I had a very long weekend, as I said at the top of the show. I'm quite under the weather. My Braves are on right now. I want to watch the World Series. And to put quite frankly, I ran out of time. I sent Chris this podcast this outline like an hour before recording yeah, i just, just ran like, out of time yeah like a couple hours ago yeah <laughs> yeah so um we're, i'm gonna double up on feedback next week when i'm feeling better and i'm in a better mindset so please continue to send your, send your feedback we will totally get to it next week well if you don't have anything else for these three episodes chris where can people find you you can find me at two truefreaks.com that's our website uh, you can sign up for RSS feeds there, and you can find all our other podcasts by all our other podcasters. We're also on Facebook, and uh, we are the Two True Freaks podcast on Facebook, and the Two True Freaks Cantina. Also, if uh, if you got to do it, you got to do it. But we are on Twitter, and uh, we are our Twitter. Twitter Two True Freaks account is run by the ever vigilant Gene, Gene the Twitter Machine. Gene is always on Twitter. Gene. And and basically we post all our our podcasts up there, but Gene don't mess around. He's not up there to make score internet points or or so 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 the so so I I know this isn't encouraging you, but yeah, Gene Gene don't play none of that bullshit. He's not. He's not owning anybody. He's not doing any hot takes. He's just serving up the two true freaks. And that, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is pure and wholesome. And, and how often do you get something as pure and wholesome as Gene serving up episodes of two true freaks? Except when it's, except when it's J guys and Jedi and like <laughs> he didn't beat it. We're the classier podcast. But Gene, you know. Gene Gene keeps his hands clean, clean. You know what I'm saying? I think you do. All right. Well, that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? Uh, you can find me at J Guys and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also follow me at Hope Mullinex. I am also a writer for The Geeky Waffle, where I've been doing weekly reviews for The Owl House and Amphibia. Um, it's out by now, but you can go back and watch it. Um, I'm going to be participating in the Potathon this week. Oh, hold on. I meant to pull this up so I can give me a I'm second. Gonna be participating in the potathon this week, man. I am so, but it's already done by now. But the whole thing is on YouTube, and the potathon is uh, raising money for Make a Wish, and so you can go back and watch oh, me. Oh man, I thought it was like a potathon. I thought it was like we're gonna go smoke a blunt or something, dude. No, no, no. A but potathon. I'm... No. Oh, whatever. But 
I'm going to be with uh, the Geeky Waffles, so I'll be with Candace and Arzu, who have both been on the show before, but also our friends Norhal and Hannah will be there too. And our friends over at Pink Milk are going to be going about two hours before us. So um, you can go check out our friends over at Pink Milk and watch me with the Geeky Waffle section. We're going to be playing Kiss Mary Airlock, which is Kill Fuck Mary in Star Wars, but we have to be PG. Uh, um, so it's going to be you still it's get blown out into space. Yeah, so we're going to be playing uh, Kiss Mary Airlock. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's definitely out by now because by the time this comes out, yeah. Um, but it's a really cool event that they've done for the last few years to raise money for Make-A-Wish. So be on the lookout for next year and come join us and watch it. And it's all on YouTube and you can watch us. So um, if you look up Pot-a-thon, uh, the Potathon on Twitter, you can find like the information and like, go watch it now. So um, yeah. Oh, which ones are we doing next week? Star Wars Visions. So next week, we are going to be doing episodes four, five, and six of Star Wars Visions, which is The Village Bride, another one of my favorites, The Ninth Jedi. I like that one a lot, too. Um, The Ninth Jedi, which is across the board in the fandom, like the best made one, which I totally agree with. And uh T uh, TOB one, which is the Astro Boy one, which I actually I'm very excited to talk about that one too because that was the one that I went in with the least expectation, uh, least um, uh, uh, wow, my brain just stopped, it just screeched to a halt. Expectations. Um, expectations. Thank you. Exceptions. Um, the least expectations, and I ended up expectations. Really, yeah, and I ended up really loving it. So because I think it's the one that I was like, this one will be fine, but I actually came up out really, really loving TOB one. Um, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to have a second viewing of it to see to 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 get that one together. I'm not uh, that there's... one was surprisingly very rebels to me, complete with like a world between worlds. And I know you haven't got to this point at Avatar. It also has a, like a lot of like Avatar vibes to it too. Had a lot um, of Nelvana vibe to it too. Yeah, so we'll be talking about Village Bride: The Ninth Jedi in TOB One next week. So, bye guys. Hope's gonna go watch baseball now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Visit our website at two truefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at two truefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
Sock it to me? 